Welcome to Rise to Liberty Podcast. I am your host, Jacob J. Before we get going, I would like to ask you to like, follow, share, subscribe, rate, and review this show anywhere you possibly can. It helps out the show more than you possibly could think. So, a little bit of news. Head on over to risetoliberty.com where you can now leave voice messages, which will be played on the show. So if you want to leave some message on the show, that's where you do it, risetoliberty.com. Also, if you head over to risetoliberty.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, it will direct you to links of everywhere you can find Rise to Liberty podcast on the internet, including merch, affiliate links, our website, where you can listen to us, contact, everything you would need. That's risetoliberty.com slash L-I-N-K-S. Before we get into the show, I would like to introduce two sponsors. Rise to Liberty podcast is brought to you by... even that that's the ferocious wills of liberty thomas there is no quit in queeter queeter thomas is rolling for state senator in the 52nd district new york state the state has failed its citizens the only hope is to get thomas into office a man who cares deeply for his community and won't give up when things get tough stop what you're doing and head over to tomfor52.com that's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Make a donation and share his website. Hey, Arizonans, does your car sound like this? <laughs> then you need a visit from Greasy Porcupines. What is that? Greasy Porcupines is redefining mobile auto repair services by combining a passion for modern mechanics, mutual aid, and agorism. I'm broke as shit. Things are tough, and the fine people at Greasy Porcupine understand that. They offer a pay-what-you-can policy for those who need it most. They also accept donations for a parts fund to help those who can't pay. No matter your monetary situation, the solution to your vehicle problem is Greasy Porcupines. Open 24 hours, Monday through Saturday. Just call 602-845-0105 or visit greasyporcupines.org. Yeah, those are some great people and I am very proud to put them as sponsors on my show. So make sure to go out and show them some love. Even if all you can do is just spread their name around, get their recognition. But they both accept donations, so make sure and drop them five bucks. Last little bit of news. I was fortunate enough to interview one of my friends, Jeremy Thompson of LittleLiberty.org. It was a great conversation, even though I was a little frazzled right at first. uh, Couldn't get a program to work and had to go with a backup plan, but it was all right. So other than that, it uh, turned out great, and it will be coming out this Friday, 
That's September the 3rd. It will be coming out on the Rise to Liberty YouTube channel. It's under Rise to Liberty podcast, and I will be releasing a audio version of that for all you blind viewers. Kind of a joke. Aha. Anyways, got a couple more interviews coming down the line. I currently do not have release dates on when they will be coming out. Once a date is known, you will find announcements for that on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. So for the guests, we actually have some really amazing people coming down and more in the works, but we have Spike Cohen, who was a or who is the former VP candidate for the Libertarian Party. And we also have Dan Taxation is Theft Berman. These are going to be great conversations. There's going to be audio and video versions of them. Make sure to stay tuned and do not miss them. You will hate yourself for it. All right, let's get into the show. So it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show today. But there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. One thing is, okay, so the first thing I wanted to talk about was I kind of wanted to lighten it up a little bit because everything seems to be pretty dark and heavy these days. So I found something out of history that I absolutely love and I love talking about it. So today I would like to talk about George Washington's massive bar tab from his farewell party. So, back in the 18th century, 17th cent or 1700s, sorry, um, water was not a preferred method of hydration. Lots of dirty water everywhere, lots of germs. People just knew it made you sick. Germ theory wasn't until late 1800s, 1860, I think. Uh, could be wrong on the decade. So, at the time, people would drink a lot of uh, really low-proof alcohol, um, specifically beer. So even from the very beginning, this country has a very unique history with beer and um, harder alcohols, bourbon. Bourbon especially. And just look at Kentucky. Uh, we will be doing episodes on America's relationship with alcohol. Uh, can't wait for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So back then, it was actually called small beer because it contained little alcohol content and it was clean of bacteria. Soldiers would drink it while out on patrol and even cons- even uh, children consumed small beer because it was a safe way to be able to drink something without getting the dysentery and, well, yeah, shitting yourself to death. So, beer was the way to go. The date is September 14th, 1787. Washington was 55 years old. He's had decades of drinking. He's battle-tested, led men into so many just ruthless battles at this point. And now at this point, he had another challenge ahead of him. Acting presidential in front of everyone at the Constitutional Convention. 
Washington's influence helped to steer the delegates to complete the final draft of the U.S. Constitution. This was a major turning point in American history. Washington would soon be leaving office, but at the end of the Constitutional Convention, everyone decided to go out and go party. They all went to a tavern called City Tavern, located just four blocks from Independence Hall. Washington and members of the 1st Troop Philadelphia City Cavalry commenced the celebration. The same guys and wintered at Valley Forge drank the bar dry. The bar tab was submitted the following day. And here's where it gets crazy. It was absolutely insane. So, by records, it shows that it came out to be 89 pounds, 4 shillings, and 2, yeah, and 2 pence. Or, by, let's see, by today's estimates, it's somewhere between $15,400, or as much as $17,523. Okay, so you're thinking, well, yeah, there was a lot of people there. No, 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 no. There was only 55 people at this party. 55 people racked up a bar bill somewhere between fifteen dollars and $17,000. I couldn't even imagine. So there was a, uh, it, it was kept intact. Uh, we were able to see what they were charged for. So... I'm going to read off the list of what they had drank that night. 54 bottles of Madeira wine, 60 bottles of Claret, 22 bottles of Porter, 12 bottles of beer, 8 bottles of hard cider, 8 bottles of Old Stock and Colonial Whiskey, 7 large bowls of Spiked Punch. There were also 9 musicians and 7 writers. Sorry. Seven waiters who had an additional 21 bottles of wine that the troops paid for. Cigars, candles, and broken wine glasses, decanters, and tumblers were also marked as line items. So obviously this isn't a normal occurrence, or at least through historical documents, we can't find records of this being a uh, normal everyday thing. However, it still proves that the founding fathers, with all their faults, were still party animals and could drink all of us under the table. It just hurts my liver thinking about this party. Maybe back back in the day when I started drinking, I would have been able to keep up with them, but today, no, hell no. There's no way... That would have been one hell of a party to go to, though. And honestly, ever since I found out about this, I just love telling people about it, which is exactly why I'm talking about it right now. So that was just a fun little bit of history that not too many people know about. And now you do. Now you can go out and go tell somebody about George Washington's $15,000 bar tab. So before I get into the meat of today's episode, what I really want to do, I'm going to say this as bluntly as I possibly can. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck the government. 
and fuck everyone's feelings. Now, let me explain. Fuck Joe Biden. I don't think I really have to explain for that. But my reason, reasoning is I saw a article recently where some service members in our armed forces were actually getting in trouble for criticizing Biden for how he pulled out of the Afghan war. As far as I'm concerned, I'm glad that he pulled out. Glad that he got out of the Middle East, but fuck this guy. Fuck the government. The reason I say that is purely a free speech issue. Lenny Bruce said, if you can't say fuck, you can't say fuck the government. And considering how terrible and scary times are getting, I have no problem exercising my First Amendment. And I will gladly criticize the government at every point, turn, chance. I will always do it for as long as I'm breathing air. Fuck everyone's feelings. What do I mean by that? Well, there seems to be a cultural focus by some to force everyone to watch their language because it might be inflammatory. And some people actually have said that words are violence. What the hell is even that? What the hell is even that? Exactly. It it doesn't make sense to me. Words are violence? No. Words can be mean. They can be hurtful. They can upset you. Anger you. But they're not violence. Now, calling for direct violence, calling for an action, that's a little bit different. You can't do that. That's already illegal. But you can literally say the most heinous, terrible things. And guess what? It actually still is protected under First Amendment. As long as you don't call for direct action, that's what it is. But honestly, I'm just really sick of this over-pussification. This... I, I don't even know what I would call it. Just a... Oversensitivity, I guess, of language. Anybody that uses the term microaggression is batshit crazy and out of their mind. Look, there are going to be things that people say. You're not always going to like it. But it's not their responsibility to not say it. Unfortunately. Sorry. That's life. What's your responsibility is actually how you react to this. And you can you can blow it off, call him an asshole, dickhead, whatever you want. But you can't stop them from saying it. So this whole cultural movement to try and get people to police their language, fuck you. I will always push back against that. You cannot and will not tell me what to do. And I encourage all of my listeners to do the same. Harsh? Yeah, maybe. But 
I've just dealt with too many people pushing that just nonsense ideology lately, and I I had to say something. It's driving me crazy. It's it's really hard to put up with people like that. But hey, like I said, I deal with it. So you know who you are. People out there that think this way, you know who you are. I'm dealing with your nonsense crazy talk. Deal with my quote-unquote hate speech. And if you can't deal with it, get the fuck away from me. Nobody's asking. I'm not asking you to be around me. Okay. So, I want to bring up a interesting thing. Uh, this has been on my mind for several several years. And it was just so fascinating to me. It's called the shopping cart theory. So, the shopping cart cart theory is the ultimate litmus litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. So, I'm going to walk you through this and then hopefully this opens up a dialogue. You start thinking about it. Get back to me. Let me know what you think. So, as I said, the shopping cart theory is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. It goes as follows. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do, because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. So, basically, it's being able to judge someone's character and ability to govern oneself by how they treat these shopping carts. I don't know about you. I always put mine back. It's really not that big of a deal. I also think ahead of time and usually try to park close by a cart return. By the time I get out of a grocery store, or any store for that matter, I am totally ready to go home. I can't stand large groups of people, makes me sort of anxious, and 
Lots of people are incredibly inconsiderate and rude. So it just angers me. So I'm ready to get out of there. I totally understand why somebody would want to be lazy and just leave the cart there, get out of there. But regardless, it is the right thing to do. There are people who are employed as cart uh, cart catchers, cart people. Yes, the cart people. Um, it's not always guys, so I don't know what to call them. Cart catchers. There are people paid to go out, out of the store, go get all the carts, bring them back in. Um, During the dead of summer or the dead of winter, I think you can see the obvious problem being the weather. It's not the easiest job. It's, It's not a hard job. However, usually the people employed in these positions are a little bit younger. You know, maybe it's their first job or second job. Um, maybe it's a summer job. They're working their way through college or whatever. But nonetheless, why would you go out of your way to intentionally make somebody's job much worse and harder just because you are too selfish to do the right thing by putting it back into the cart return? Or running it back up to the front. Now, within all fairness, I have to admit, I haven't always returned a cart. But, I would say, 98% of the time, I have always put my cart back. Why I haven't the 2% of the time? I, I would have to sit and think about exactly when I didn't exactly why. However, it's a way better success rate than most people. And considering ever since I heard about this, which was a few years ago, I have made a conscious effort to always, 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 always put my cart back. Also, I have seen these uh, cart catchers, these cart people, out in the parking lot in... Oh, just freezing weather, it's snowing, it's wet, and these people are miserable, all bundled up, having to run through a crowded parking lot full of people who aren't even watching out for them, driving, trying to get out of there, and they're trying to wrangle up all these cards. So every single one of these people who didn't put their cart back, you're an asshole. What's funny is you can actually get on YouTube and find some, I don't know, organizations or channels or whatever. There's, I, I've seen a couple of these groups around the country. They will actually go and film people not putting their carts back and publicly shame them. They're recording for their safety, but also for the entertainment value. And kind of putting a spotlight on them. I highly recommend anyone to go look these up. I will include a couple of videos in the episode description, so feel free to check them out there. It's absolutely incredible how so many of these people will 
be or how many of these people will act once they are confronted with not putting their cards back it almost always leads to anger and just really shows you who these people are so let me know what you think i find it fairly interesting somebody's able to do the right thing with no gain just because it's right seems like a pretty responsible person to me but if you can't even do a simple task that everyone knows that it's right to do like what good are you honestly well that's today's show thank you so much for joining rise to liberty podcast so we've got some uh really cool things coming up let's see this is going to be dropping on wednesday so that means thursday the 9th i will be dropping a interview that i did with dan taxation is theft berman it was a great conversation and i very much enjoyed having him on make sure and check that out there is an audio version dropping and a video version dropping on the youtube channel rise to liberty podcast the following week i will be releasing another interview with spike cohen former presidential candidate for the libertarian party and america's jew his nickname not mine we also just launched some updated and new merchandise in our merch store you can find that at rise to liberty dot store s-t-o-r-e finally don't forget to like share subscribe follow and any other way that you can spread this show around it would do wonders that's all for this episode until next time stay free my friends (laughs) 